Welcome back to the Lawali Life podcast. I'm your host, Alice Law, and Lawali Life is my coaching practice I set up to help stress professionals and entrepreneurs to get rid of, manage, and decrease stress whilst improving their personal and professional performance. This podcast is all around stress and loss and is an amazing mixture of conversations with leaders in their fields from top CEOs, neuroscientists, other coaches, and more, guiding you through the greatest stresses and losses they've had to overcome and how they did it with tips to get you through yours. With everything that's currently going on in the world right now, stress is on an all-time high and you could not be in a better place to find some inner calm, positivity and reset your mind. In today's episode, we're joined by Greg Stockton all the way over from in Dubai. He is a leader in financial services, has been working in the financial services sector for over 17 years, building various businesses in a whopping 12 different countries. He's now in Dubai and is group commercial leader of the Blue Sky Thinking Group. It was really amazing talking to him when the financial services sector is statistically still one of the most stressed sectors out there and his opinion on how to combat that and how as a leader showing vulnerability around these kind of things is actually one of the greatest strengths you can give. Welcome Greg, thank you so much for joining us today. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what you do, first of all? I'm currently the Group Commercial Director for a company in Dubai called the Blue Sky Thinking Group, um, which essentially holds three businesses. Uh, so I really run a first aid company, a HR platform, and a wealth management firm. Stress, definitely, that comes with that sort of work. What would you say, personally, is the greatest loss, first of all, you've had to overcome? 100% definitely losing my mum. Um, so mum passed away. Uh, 2013 um, sort of slap bang in the middle of a business year there and um, yeah so obviously when anyone loses a family member it's it's going to be quite hard and it takes its toll so that would that's definitely the biggest loss um, personally I've had in my life to date. Yeah I mean that's that's always a tricky thing isn't it having to show up when you are in a position of leadership when you've got something like that that's so catastrophic to your own personal life going on how did you personally cope with that when you're seen as a leader in your field yeah I mean it's a really good question because I think I mean obviously that was one issue that I had to face but a lot of leaders obviously will always have certain degrees of stuff going on in their own personal life and 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 also your staff as well like I think that's important to understand so the message I always gave to a lot of my staff which obviously I'll, I'll try and take on board myself is that I almost imagined it I know this is going to sound a little bit weird but all of like my problems in almost like a rucksack and often can feel like a bit of a heavy weight but almost I used to get to the office and before I even stepped through the door I'd take sort of five seconds to just imagining myself taking off this like heavy rucksack with all the problems in it leaving it at the front door and then going straight into the office and just know that I'll pick it up on the way back out Um, because you're never going to get rid of them all together but I think it's important that when you do go into that office environment that you do have to show up and you do have to bring that energy. So it's important almost just to take five seconds before you walk through the door to just imagine yourself letting go of those problems, even if it's just for the next eight hours, nine hours, five hours, however long it is you're in that office environment. It's really interesting you say that because there's um, energetic visualisation techniques, which are basically what you're talking about from a sort of logical perspective, which is when you visualise the energy of whatever's problem it is or whatever you need to let go of to coming off you in whatever way that kind of makes sense to you and let it go and then like you say you can take it back up and there's 
Brendan Bouchard always says that he sets an intention before he goes through a doorway when he's turning up to a meeting or conference or whatever it is to set the intention of how he wants to visualize himself showing up before he goes through the door so it's very interesting you say that so if you could take us back to one moment where you were at your lowest in terms of loss or stress was there ever a point you thought you wouldn't be able to come back from it um I don't don't think there's ever been a point where I thought I'm never going to get back from this because I think just naturally as a positive person I've always thought there's always a way or if even if you're at your lowest, it's only going to be for a period of time. It's never infinite. Um, but I'd definitely say probably the, well, I'd definitely say the lowest I've been would have been this year, actually, um, probably February, March. So I had pretty much the last 24 months of stuff build up, which actually I didn't think I was that stressed about along the way. Um, but it pretty much all hit me like a ton of bricks, I would say, in February and March. I think like the last... I mean, I'd say the last 24 months from, from February, March, I'd had, I'd, uh, I'd moved uh, companies. Um, the job had been like fairly up and down for two years. So that obviously comes with its own stresses, um, both, I guess, mentally, financially, emotionally, and all of those things. Um, there was a lot of traveling involved, which again, can be quite stressful on the body as well. Um, I'd undergone uh, back surgery, so I had to have, uh, three centimeters of disc removed from my spine, so I had like a year and a half of a recovery process to get, you know, back into health and fitness and get strong again. Um, and then went through, like, finalized a, a pretty brutal divorce, which took like three years to kind of come to an end as well. So that was another uh, another thing to deal with. And then in February this year, um, the person that was engaged to my fiance just up and left as well. So that was kind of like, I think maybe the straw that broke the camel's back and it just kind of kept, it just, everything just came flooded. Um, so yeah, that was probably the, the, the lowest I've been for those, those two months, really. I think everything just caught over me. So how did you personally overcome that yourself? Did you, what did you do for your own mind, your own body, your own emotions, essentially, to get you back through all that? I think it came down to the point of actually just sitting down and and accepting full accountability and responsibility for every single one of those things that had happened. Um, Like it was my fault that I'd had to have a back operation because I probably hadn't looked after myself well enough in terms of keeping my back strong. It was, you know, it was my fault that the business was up and down because I chose to go into that kind of work. And that's just what makes you, that's what comes with it. It was my fault that I'd had the divorce because of things that had happened. It was my fault that the fiance left because of things. So I think once you begin to take accountability and responsibility for everything that's happened, um, then I think it allows you to also then accept accountability and responsibility for what happens next as well. And I think a lot of people confuse blame with responsibility and acceptance. So, you know, I've got a friend of mine at the moment who's going through quite a traumatic time where she's in a relationship where she's getting abused. And she's like, you know, I feel like I'm to blame and I, you know, I'm blaming myself a lot. And I'm like, well, you're not really to blame for the actions of that other person. You know, that's, you're not to blame because that person likes having a drink and getting violent. But at the same time, you have to accept responsibility and accountability that you put yourself in that position because you've decided to be with that person. This has happened more than once and you decided to stay. So I think there's a big difference between blame and responsibility and accountability. So yeah, so once I've accepted that, I was like, okay, so when have I been at my most happiest previously? 
and all the parts of that happiness that I can then recreate. Um, so ultimately began to just start putting together a, a, almost like a puzzle for the next steps and hence why I ended up leaving South Africa, hence why I'm now in Dubai, hence why I'm in a new company and so on and so on. So yeah, it's, it's, I think that was, I know it's a long-winded answer, but that was really the answer. No, it's great. I think it's so true. A lot of people and all of us are guilty of um, when something goes wrong, looking outward when actually what we need to start looking at is inward. Because although there are, you know, these great losses, I, I know you've lost a parent and I have and people lose family members and things like that. But then that's not out of control. That's completely out of our control, but it's completely up to us how we then turn up afterwards and deal with it. If it's going to be something that's going to completely and make you go into victim mentality and steer a different course of your life or if you're going to use it for something better whether it's within your own self or in the outside world so like you say like taking accountability for what you part you played essentially in those situations and then changing your life to the way you want it to is really amazing yeah. so what would you say then you say the puzzles of the bits before that made you happy what kind of bits did you bring back that brought you joy I think it's being surrounded by really positive people um, so although I really love the beauty of South Africa, um, there's a lot of negativity that comes with that country and for, for good reasons as well. Politically, there's a lot of issues there. There's a lot of crime. There's a lot of poverty. So because you're in that environment, people talk about it a lot. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to get back to an environment whereby I just, I was surrounded by positive people that were focused on, you know, business, health, mindset. And that's a lot about Dubai. So that was kind of my main catalyst yeah. I guess being surrounded by lots of good friends as well. Um, so again, coming back and joining clubs and, and groups whereby you've got instantly, you know, if I joined the football team the minute I joined here, and then you've got 15 or 16 good people around you straight away. Um, and yeah, just, just keeping a healthy mindset, really. Yeah, I think it's really interesting when you say being around um, positive people and people that inspire you, because energetically as well, we tend to get everyone's been through that thing where if you're around people that complain all the time you feel really drained or people who are gossiping because it's that negative energy so it's about yeah like you say being around people that are going to inspire you and bring you back up to their level again <laughs> yeah uh, no, absolutely 100 percent yeah and, um, and that, is, uh, that is very much the way and don't, don't get me wrong there's there are lots of positive people in south africa as well so you know maybe i'll accept that responsibility maybe if not putting myself in the right social circles but i think Speaking generally, it is very much an environment that has a lot of issues and I just wanted something that was a bit more positive, really. What did you see then once, what have you once seen, sorry, as your greatest failure that you now see as your greatest teacher? I guess, can you class failure as, as regret, maybe? Um, yeah, whatever you, comes to you. Yeah. I mean, look, when, it, when I, took, I took a job initially to, to leave Dubai after being here for six years and moving to, move to South Africa, um, for actually a, a role that turned out not as it was necessarily expected to. Um, so for probably the best part of 18 months, I was firefighting, you know, so dealing with people, leaving, dealing with um, legal issues within the organisation, dealing with accounting issues in the organisation. Um, so it was, it was very much like, again, it, it was very much in that negative kind of, space all the time when you're fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting so where i'd come from again going back to it, come from that positive environment where everything was always about completely the opposite 
So for a lot of time, I was like, oh my God, I've made a massive mistake here. Like this was not a good move. It's not a good move. But actually because of that experience with the organization, I had to learn a lot of new things. So I learned about the accounting side of the business. I learned about the compliance side of the business, learned about um, the legal and, 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 and sort of more the operational side. And because of that learning, it's why I've been offered the current role that I've got because I've now got all that skill set. So although what I initially saw was regret has actually set me up in a lot better position from a career perspective. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how that's looped back. Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? I think that's so often we see these things as such a huge damage to what we want at the time. And then five years later, you're like, oh my God, if that had never happened, then I wouldn't be where I am now. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, look, yeah, I know a lot of people who are in yeah, really, really good relationships with their partners, like male or females. And at, at some point, they've been in like the worst relationship ever. But because of that and what they've learned through that experience has allowed them to go on to better relationships. So it's, yeah, it's the same with business as well, right? Yeah, it's, it's so true. I love that. So being a successful man in the finance industry, I mean, stress can, I think, in any industry today can be seen as a sort of modern day badge of success. It's like you have to be, you know, you, to be st- successful, you will be stressed. It's sort of seen as a byproduct, which I really think needs to change the sort of conversation around like we don't need to be stressed and we are more productive when we're not stressed. Yeah. So what do you think can be done to change this sort of modern day epidemic around stress as far as I've realised it? It's a, it, it's a really difficult question to answer. Um, I guess probably a, a few parts. I think from, from an individual perspective, and I think it goes back to that um, notion of accountability and responsibility. Like Sometimes I do think a lot of the stress that comes in the workplace is stress that you've actually put on yourself. Um, so whether that be like a miscommunication between where the company thinks, right, we've given these guys like a very reasonable task or request. And because you might have, you might want to be that person that excels all the time, that you add that stress onto yourself and therefore that role becomes a stressful role. Um, so I think from an individual level, again, recognizing what levels of stress you do put on yourself and, and, and owning it a little bit. Um, and then from a business perspective, I think a lot of companies now globally need to be um, more aware of, I wouldn't necessarily say what business pressures they put on people because business pressures come from the business that you're in, unfortunately. You can't just go, well, we need everybody a little bit less stressed, so let's take 20% off our annual revenue and target this year. (laughs) Um, What they can be more conscious of is what's more stress relieving for people. So I know some companies in South Africa, for example, have introduced a two-hour lunch break as long as you can prove that in that two hours you've gone to the gym and worked out or you've gone and done some meditation or you've gone and done something that's actually beneficial of your health and your mind. Um, So I think if companies appreciate that a little bit more, um, you know, maybe even like later starts and a later finish so it gives people in the morning more time to spend with their family or more time to go to the gym, um, so I think that again, that's where companies need to be more um, open-minded as to, okay, well, we understand there's going to be business pressure. We understand that could potentially cause stress. What can we do as a business to relieve it a little bit without necessarily affecting the business? Yeah, I think that's really such a good answer because 
we as you know human beings most people if they're working for a company they're going to spend more time with the company than they are their own family and their own friends because that's just the way the percentage of your life works out so I think the company does have to take responsibility for making that time as like enjoyable plus productive as possible um but you know I also think as well I think you know regardless of in some in some corporates you know whether it be financial I know law is a particular heavy one as well is that you you are going to work in some environments which are ultimately going to be super stressful um you know even down to like you know nurses and doctors and you know fire firemen police service you know they are naturally very 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 stressful jobs um so you know I think the the, the role that you and obviously people that you work alongside that kind of have been stress management coaches that go into corporates and actually help people deal with stress because it's really easy to say oh you stress go and deal with it but people just don't know how to deal with it so, <laughs> 100%. To fix the car uh, they don't know how to do it right they need people's help and guys so i think having like those stress coaches and stress guys that come in every once a week once a month once a day and they're made available for stuff i think it's really really important as well yeah i think it's really nice you say that because it's like giving people I see it as sort of giving people a space to like deal with their stress without feeling like they're on their own and also just little tools to change it. Cause like you say, it is, it is largely about relief in those companies and from a personal perspective, understanding that you're the reaction to the stresses. So you've got to take responsibility for that part yourself, but it is learning how is <laughs> the, the, the bit. <laughs> oh. So if you could go back and tell yourself, your younger self, one thing, from all this that you've told us, what would it be? I'd say for, for me personally, it would be, look, spend more time focusing on being balanced as opposed to just focusing everything into business. Like, I, but, but then at the same time, the other side of my head goes, but if you did that, maybe you wouldn't have ended up being successful. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's always that thing. Like, I focused on work quite heavily uh, and undoubtedly that's caused some degree of stress, but then if I hadn't, would I have got where I wanted to get? Um, but ultimately, I think it would be go back and just try and find a little bit more balance. Um, you know, I, I put a huge amount of pressure on myself to succeed. Like in times I've suffered certain things. So, you know, I've, I've let my health suffer to some degree at certain points. Um, I've let, you know, my family suffer to a certain degree at some points. And had I just been a little bit more balanced and, giving myself that advice or, to, you know, taking some advice from somebody like you, you know, maybe things would have felt a lot more harmonious along that journey. <laughs> up and down, up and down, up and down. But, but, you know, I've got to a very, very good place, but, yeah, it probably could have been a little bit more stable along the way, I guess. I think, yeah, we could all use a bit more balance. That's interesting. But when you say, so your health suffered, was that, would you say, was that from stress and anxiety, from pressure of work, or was... Yeah, not really. I mean, look, I, I say you suffered. I just, I, I mean, in terms of, I, I think probably 2014, 2014, 2015, I got to probably the heaviest weight I've ever been. Um, and that was, you know, not because of any other issue that I just, I was so focused on work. Um, I didn't end up giving myself the time to go to the gym. Um, I, you know, I was eating on aeroplanes. I was taking people out for dinners and drinks every night and whining and dining and, because you think, like, that's what I've got to do. And then you forget about all the other stuff that's suffering in the background. Um, so, yeah, that, that's really... So I wouldn't necessarily have major health problems, 
was definitely a wake up call looking in the mirror on January 1st and going, <laughs> 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 yeah, things need to change a little bit here. Yeah. God. I think that's a, a really common like trap people get into, isn't it? When you're fo- so focused on one thing, losing sight of just the little bits that are going to make you not look in the mirror on January the 1st and be like, oh shit. <laughs> so, yeah, it really is. And I think like, you know, and I've used it actually myself before in the past and I'll never, I'll never ever use it again. And I'll never let any of my team use it now because I do, um, I do put health and fitness at, is on is, is on an equally as important level as the business itself because I think it forms part of the business. Is that that excuse of well I've been too busy uh, gets reworded to I just didn't prioritize it, and I think that's the reality. You know, we just if we prioritize stuff, we get it done. So now I'll work out at like five thirty or six in the morning as opposed to saying oh well, the alarm went off at seven and I was too busy so I didn't get a chance to. You know. Um, yeah, it's so true. There's that phrase, isn't it, that we uh, we make time for what important to us and so if you're saying you're too busy to work out you're like well was it important to you at the time you're going to make it important not you i'm saying everyone. and it's uh, it's interesting so if you could do get everyone to some do something five minutes of everything per day that would have a positive impact on their day or on others what would that be for you exercise yeah like without a shadow of a doubt i would be exercise um like even if it is literally for five or ten minutes at home in your bedroom, just getting into like that good like, just get the endorphins firing, get the blood pumping, um, and then from that, then do things that actually yeah get you into a good like business mind as well. It's like I'll work out in the morning without thinking about work, but then before I come into work, I'll go and spend sort of five or ten minutes either reading something, listening to something, or watching something that gets me in a good like headspace for business. Um, but yeah that exercise is so important yeah I think it's really funny isn't it because I think especially when people are feeling low sometimes they find it harder to exercise to break that cycle and then you think if you just start then you'll actually start to feel better pretty you know you'll feel the physiological and mental effects pretty quickly yeah massively well it's that it's that concept of that um, what is it sort of emotional inspiration to motivation to action and like, unless you've had that inspiration, I, I look pretty fat like at the moment. But then get motivated, then the action becomes like actually getting up and doing something. Yeah. Unless you're first to, a lot of people don't do the action. So it's almost like understanding that you need to flip it on its head and just go, just do anything. Just start on something like five minutes. And then ultimately that ends up leading to you being a bit more inspired, which means to you be more motivated and then it kind of keeps going and going and going so it's just do do anything go do five minutes and you'll end up just yeah you push it along right yeah I really believe that I always say to people you've when they say like you know you I don't have time to work on my mindset in the morning I'm like well do you have five minutes and they're like well yeah and I'm like, well five minutes of meditation or five minutes of mindset work is going to do you a world of good and you'll see the effects on your day so if you don't have five minutes then I think you've got some serious yeah, trouble yeah. You know, big time. I mean, I, I've always, look, with the whole meditation thing, like you always hear people talking about it and I've never really been someone that's been into that meditation stuff. And I've used the same excuse, but I don't have time to sit down for like 20 minutes. But now, I mean, like religiously every single night before bed, I'll do a, a meditation. Um, but it'll be like a sleep meditation to kind of get me on my way and I have the best night's sleep ever now than I ever have done before. Um, so I'm a, yeah, big believer, and even if you can't do it in the morning, do it at night time. Like, 
you've always got that five or ten minutes, right? I mean, I set them up for like 17 to 25 minutes, and I don't reckon they've lasted longer than four minutes on anyone before I've just fallen asleep. But, well, it's got to what it's meant to do, so that's good. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But it's, it's just it's just a good routine to get into and just, you know, lie there and just do the breathing and kind of just get rid of your day, really, and just sleep. It's uh, rather than watching crap on your phone, so like o'clock at night, so you fall asleep, right? Yeah, and then you're wired as well with the yeah. the phone screen. So so bad for you for sleeping. I love that. It's good. It's good to know you're meditating. <laughs> so being a you know successful leader, do you find have you found that it's particularly as a male leader that it's been there's been a stigma around showing vulnerability in a position of success, or if so, you know why do you think that is? Um, yeah, I think ma- massive stigma, and again, well, I, I don't say stigma, but more of probably just an internal belief from any leader that you've always got to be a strong individual 100% of the time, right? You know, you're leading a team of, I don't know, I think the biggest teams I've led is like 250 people across like six different countries, and when you've got that level of responsibility, you want to be seen as somebody that's got their head together, head screwed on, mentally focused, strong unbreakable etc 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 and for a lot of the time I think you know if you're in that position you're probably the type of person that does have those traits but then at the same time it would you've got to be completely naive to think that you're always going to be like you're never going to have moments of vulnerability where you're feeling a bit down or you're feeling a bit shit or you do need someone to talk to or you do need some support um whereas yeah for years I believe that you know you just you can't ever show that side of you because that's seen as like weakness yeah now, whether that's because it's more talked about or whether it's just because I've got a bit older and a bit wiser, that scene is now like a massive strength. Um, and I think if people understand that showing that vulnerability puts you in a stronger position as a leader, then actually more people will begin to sort of open up about things. Yeah, I so believe that. It's like Brené Brown doing that um, TED Talk on vulnerability really shifted people's sort of perception of it. It was so powerful. I don't know if you've watched that. It's amazing. Yeah, I watched that and I watched the uh, Call to Courage. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's really interesting. So what would you say then is your greatest vulnerability? Yeah, um, I'd say that uh, two, I guess, my daughter to some degree. Um, I think when you have a kid, it opens you up to a lot of vulnerability. Um, But I actually think the minute you open up to being vulnerable and you share things I think that's that is your greatest vulnerability is actually the ability to share things about yourself that maybe you wouldn't have done it otherwise um because once it's out there it's out there right that makes you incredibly vulnerable (laughs) I think think the byproduct of being really vulnerable is your kind of greatest vulnerability yeah I like that any sense whatsoever no, it does. So on that note, then, what is one thing about you that hardly anyone knows? Two or three weeks ago, I put a video out about some of the stuff that like, I've gone through and the problems I've gone through. And I think I actually probably shared more on, on this podcast than I even did on that video. Um, and I think for the 15, 16 years I've been in financial services, again, no one's really known anything bad about me in terms of like, the problems or any issues I've been through. So I think I've pretty much aired quite a lot of the stuff that people didn't know already, to be fair. Um, but the one thing that I probably haven't talked about um, on this podcast or the video that I did is that 
from 2004, so then 2005 till 2008, I suffered really bad with uh, panic attacks, like, anxi- like full-on anxiety attacks, like to the point where I was in meetings in Singapore, talking to like MDs and CEOs about asset management and wealth management, and halfway through, I'd be like, I'm sorry, but I've got to leave. And I'd go to the hospital and get a Xanax and like just try and calm myself down. Wow. And then I, I still have no idea how they started. I have no idea why I was having them. Uh, I mean, I was only 20, 24, 23, 24, 25. Um, but yeah, for about three years, I went through these things. And yeah, that was, yeah, not them. They're not easy to deal with when you have them. No, I mean, God, that's incredible because. I definitely, yeah, you never hear people talking about that as in, in a position like you. So I think it's really amazing. So you had no idea why they came on at that time in your life, though, when you were younger. No idea. I, I, the only logical thing I can put it down to is that, I mean, I left the UK at 20 years of age and I went to live in Hong Kong. I did a year there, then I did two and a half years in Shanghai, six months in Japan, a year in Singapore. I mean, that environment as a 20-year-old, working in finance as well, I don't know, maybe just, I don't know, maybe there was just something inside of me, like, hang on a minute, you need to slow down a little bit, or this is like you're taking on so much. I, I Honestly, I don't know. Um, but for anybody that's not experienced a panic attack, and I think that's why a lot of people that have gone through those anxiety attacks and panic attacks don't talk about it, it's because you almost sound like a bit of a mental person. <laughs> honestly, like I, I remember knocking on a friend's door at three o'clock in the morning in Japan, we, we lived in Tokyo, he lived in the same building as I did, and I knocked on his door. It's like, what do you want? It's like three o'clock in the morning. I was like, just talk to me. It's like, about what? I want anything. So I'm having a panic attack, and the only way I can stop it is if I take my mind off it by talking to you about something. Um, and like I say, unless you've had one, it's difficult to actually describe, but it's almost like an incontrollable feeling that you just, you almost think you're going to die, you know, like your brain goes all swirly, your chest goes all tight. It's, it's horrible. Yeah, that's so frightening. It's really interesting you say um, maybe your body knew something that you didn't because there's that theory, which I largely believe that the body is wiser than we are. So when your body's telling you something, you have to start listening to whatever it is. And we're not sometimes sure where it's come from, but then you have to sort of bring yourself back and work out what it is. It's really interesting. Yeah. It is. I mean, weirdly, the, the minute they stopped it was 2008, I, in August, I left Asia and I moved to Qatar. So I moved to the Middle East. And from the minute I landed in Qatar in 2008, I've never had one since. <laughs> just, I think just removing yourself from an environment. So mine was obviously on a bigger scale. Mine was obviously, I don't know if it was something to do with Asia specifically, just living in that region. But just moving yourself from an environment can potentially break that cycle of panic attacks and anxiety attacks, whether that be removing yourself from a job or whether it be removing yourself from a relationship or removing yourself from some situation that could potentially be the trigger. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I largely believe that. I think it's interesting. So when you talk about mind, body and soul, I think it's equally important to look after all three for our wellness and, you know, relieving stress. And so when you talk about the soul, what does spirituality personally mean to you as it's defined differently for everyone? So what's your personal? So I often use the words, which my ex-wife hated, but (laughs) the words, it is what it is. 
you've heard probably loads and loads of people say, well, it is what it is, it is what it is. And I guess it can be quite annoying to some degree. But I think that, that um, the spirituality for me is about just being at complete peace with just how things are. Like, today is what it is, right? And I've just got to be at peace with that. And I think for a lot of people, there's too much thinking about either what, what what does 10 days from now look like? What does a year from now look like? And, oh, God, I'm not on my target for a you know, 10-year retirement plan. I'm not on my year target for this. I'm not. And at the same time, reflecting back and going, yeah, but this time, just being at complete peace with how it is, like it is what it is and just be at peace with it, that, that for me is like, I guess that's spirituality thing. And I'm, I'm trying to get a lot better at that. I'm not there right now, but I'm, I'm trying to get a lot better at it. I love that, though. That's such a good, powerful um, way to look at it because it is essentially about presence and being accepting of the current circumstances you're in and then realizing you have the power to change it afterwards you know it's really I like that that's nice so to finish what's one intention that you try to live into every day that drives you and keeps you at your best so it's a fairly new intention um since I've uh moved back to Dubai and gone on this I guess kind of new path um which is unless it's going to be beneficial for my health, my personal relationships, or my business, it's gone, or it doesn't happen, or it's being cut out. Um, so unless what I'm about to do is beneficial of any of those three things, I'm just not going to do it. Um, I love that. It's like, why are we doing anything if it's not beneficial to those sort of key factors of what you said? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think once you start living with that kind of principle, it does, it makes you, it, it changes your decision-making process. So, you know, for the last, however many Thursdays, Thursdays to Friday here, right? So, you know, everyone's always, are we going out for drinks? Are we doing this? And I'm like, no, because that's not going to benefit any of those three things. I'm actually going to stay at home. And then tomorrow morning, I'm going to go for a hike with a bunch of friends because that actually ticks those three boxes. And just living in that space of those three, that, that mantra, I, honestly, it's, it, it's amazing what it does for your headspace and your mindset. It's good. I love that. Thanks so much for joining, Greg. It's really great talking to you today. I really appreciate you taking the time. You're welcome. Thanks for asking me to come on. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Thank you so much for tuning into the Lawali Life podcast. If you are enjoying the episodes, then please hit download and subscribe and get all of them downloaded so I can continue to bring you more amazing guests from around the world and help you through your own stresses and losses. At the moment, stress is really at an all-time high with the current virus. And if you are in need of some inspiration or know some other people that are and want to keep calm, then send it their way. I've got an amazing guest for you next week. Stay tuned. <laughs>